On this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast, David and I give our final thoughts on the Buccaneers' victory over the Green Bay Packers, and we give our best and worst of the week. Then we are joined by fellow BucksNation.com writer and co-host of the North and South podcast, Bailey Adams, to wrap up the week that was the victory over the Packers and start to look ahead to this week's matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Final thoughts and best and worst of the weekend. I will kick it over to you for your final thoughts. So final thoughts, uh, ultimate team win. You know what I mean? The coach is coached uh, on point. I mean, yes, bad play call on third and two. I think everybody agrees that might be James worst. I don't know. So sorry if I touched on that, but uh, you know, uh, it, overall is a really good game. I write the best and worst for bucksnation.com every week. I went through their road. I only found two worse. And one of them was that play call. Another one was actually on the Packers. And I tried not to go to the opposing side. I try to stay on the Buccaneer side of things uh, with my best and my worst. But I just, I mean, honestly, guys, not nitpicking. And I know I could nitpick. You know, I, mean? I don't know. Like maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a kick could have gone a few yards longer. Like, yeah, you made it, but you, you know, maybe you could get the ball at a better. Tra- I don't know, man. Um, I could have found something. Donovan Smith didn't have a perfect game, but he didn't do anything that really, you know, in my opinion, regarded or uh, deserved blasting. So, so I left it off there, um, and I did a an honorable best for another. So I had four bests and two worse. Um, so really, just an all together good game. Exactly what you want to see out of the Buccaneer squad if they're going to meet up, you know, live up to all the hype they have, they have surrounding them. And, you know, you hope to see it uh, continuing on. Yeah, my final thought on the game is one heck of a win. Don't let it be a one-off. They have to build on this. They have to continue to grow. You cannot go out there and smash the Packers 38-10 to 10 and then turn around and have a repeat performance of your Thursday night game when you're on Sunday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders. You have to continue to build on this if you want to legitimately be in that conversation for Super Bowl contender. This game looks great in a vacuum, but they we have to see it consistently now, week in and week out. I'm not saying they have to go every game without committing a penalty. I'm not saying that they have to play an absolutely perfect game, but these are the types of performances that we have to continue to see where they are just, they're, you know, outplaying their opponent and utilizing all the talent on this team from top to bottom because they are one of the most talented rosters. And it's nice when you see all three phases put it together at once. So don't let this be an isolated incident. You got to build on it. David, 
I'm going to start with my worst because I am going to go ahead and nitpick a little bit Mm -hmm. because it's hard to find a worst in such a dominant performance. But my worst, and it pains me to say this because I I really like the guy. I'm a big fan. But LaShawn McCoy, man, stop giving him the football. You know, I understand if it's third and two and you want to hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette. I understand if it's third and four and you're looking for a dump off and you know, because there's nothing open downfield and you're going to dump it off to Keyshawn Vaughn or to Ronald Jones, despite his catching issues. Can we shady McCoy is no longer a thing and we need to stop trying to make it one. I love the guy and he's probably going to do something on Sunday to make me eat my words. I won't eat my foot like Evan winter over at the North and South podcast, because that's gross, but I all inevitably end up having to eat my words, but I just, I don't like what I've seen from LaShawn McCoy this year. And I think it's time to pull the plug. I mean, I, you know, I'm not to the pull the plug completely aspect, but listen on third and two, if you're going to hand the ball to someone and either it either needs to be Ronald Jones or it needs to be Leonard Fournette. Uh, that's that's just kind of the bottom line on that one. Uh, my worst is actually going to be from the Packers side, which, again, I kind of don't usually do that, so that kind of shows you just how much this really struck a nerve for me. And I was kind of surprised at how much of a nerve it struck, to be honest with you. But it's their first quarter celebrations. I mean, uh, listen, you know, Aaron Rodgers celebrating the non-touchdown, which, granted, you know, at the time it was a touchdown, so I got it. But it, it wasn't even so much that one, but it was a running back. Jamal Williams, runs, you know, gets a 25-yard run into Buccaneers territory. I got it. It's it's the best run defense in the National Football League, if not the best, one of the best. You know what I mean? And and that's been the, the conversation all week has been, you know, are the Packers going to run the ball against this defense? The Packers have outrushed uh, or have had the leading rusher in every game so far this season until week six. Um, this is the first week they actually didn't have the leading rusher on their roster. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like the running back room probably took it as a personal challenge and all that stuff. But listen, dude, you are a backup running back in the National Football League who just ran the ball 25 yards in the first quarter in a three nothing game. And that dude got up, and and the way I wrote it in on my article on BucksNation.com is he got up like he had just placed first place in a tough mutter, you know what I mean? And, and instead of being in a three nothing game in the first quarter, and you just got your team on the fringe of field goal range, um, just the the reaction did not follow uh, the the play itself. It, it wasn't it wasn't an, you know an equal type of type of celebration in my eyes. And then after they did go ten up, Aaron Aaron Jones scoring the touchdown to give the Packers an eventual ten nothing lead. And, and, you know, Fox shows it. They, they've got Aaron Jones walking on the sideline with his macho man shades on and everything else strutting around like he's a spring chicken or something. Um, listen, I'm not I'm not a get off your get off my grass type of dude. I'm not a you know, I love guys like Deion Sanders and, and I love the, you know, Juju Smith celebrations and I'm here for it. All right. Um, but I don't know what it is. Just something about those celebrations in that first quarter when I watched them, just it just struck a nerve with me, man. I don't know if it was just too much for the moment. You know what I mean? Like, so just to see those guys sulking and pouting by the end of the game, it just, I've never been so happy for to watch somebody else's misery uh, than I was in that moment. And that's, so that's the worst for me. Um, the best for me, honestly, I didn't even put it in my best and worst column. So maybe I'll get called out on that. I don't know. I mean, I kind of did. I mentioned the Indominus Sioux flag, right? For, for roughing the passer. Aaron Rodgers violated NFL rules to avoid a sack. And Indominus Sioux said, nah, bro, I'm not going to let you out of that easily. I'm going to give you the sack anyway. <laughs> um, and Aaron Rodgers gets up, you know, and with a typical Aaron Rodgers fashion. And he's the victim. And woe is me. And how dare you? And you're so unprofessional. Look, Aaron Rodgers is known. It's no secret. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most disliked people uh, I don't want to say on the planet, but he's he's there's a lot of people that don't like Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, I don't feel bad for that dude. Um, and then when 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 Dominic and Sue and shout out to the comments are on Bucks Nation who mentioned the exact play 
and Namakasu later did get a get a sack to end the first half. Literally just went up and just shoved the dude. I mean, just playground shoved him, you know, like a playground bully. And I'm not about bullying on the playground, but this is, these are two grown men on the playing field. I'm sure there's no love lost there, but just to see Indominus Sue kind of pushing his weight around a little bit. I loved every minute of it, man. David, my best. I can't pick just one guy. It was the defense as a whole. You were going up against a vaunted, touted, record-setting pace Packers offense and you punched him in the mouth then you punched him in the mouth again then just for good measure you hit him in the mouth with a two by four and it was it was phenomenal every single bit of it was absolutely outstanding you brought up Aaron Jones strutting around on the sideline I had I had said out loud as I was watching with my you know my Packers loving stepson I was like why are you strutting around on the sideline like you did something and he my stepson goes, well, he just scored a touchdown on that great Bucks run defense. I said he literally had to go six inches. Our dog could have scored that touchdown. He did nothing on that play. He just fell forward. And sure enough, by the time the game was over, that, that Packers running offense did nothing. Aaron Rodgers did nothing. Devontae Adams, Robert Tanyan did nothing. Marquez Valdez Scantling did what he always did, which is nothing. So my my best of the week has to go to the Bucks defense as a whole. They got in Rogers' face. They smacked him around. They shut down the run game. They shut down the receivers. It was the best performance I've seen out of the Bucks defense in probably the last 10 years. Coming up next, we will be joined by BucksNation.com writer and co-host of the North and South podcast, Bailey Adams, to get his thoughts on the victory over the Green Bay Packers and start to look ahead to the Sunday night football matchup between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders. Hump Day at the Locked On Podcast Network, which means we've got a guest to help us close the book on the week that was and look ahead to the week that is coming. And today, this week, we're joined by none other than Bailey Adams, one of our favorite fellow writers over at BucksNation.com and one half of the North and South podcast from the SB Nation, Bucks Nation podcast channel. Bailey, thanks a lot for, or thanks so much for joining us, of course. Um, we're going to get first right into the week that was. What are your thoughts about the Buccaneers coming out of that 38 to 10 shellacking of the Green Bay Packers? I'll tell you this, there are a lot better feelings than I had after the game against the Chicago Bears. I was completely blindsided by this uh, this game on Sunday, and I probably shouldn't have been. I don't know that I should have gotten so low on this team after that Chicago performance, but um, you know, even falling behind 10 nothing, I was like, this is just another one of those games. You know, I don't know where this team's going. And then the final three quarters, they turned it around. They turned it on and just smacked the Packers like I never saw coming. Um, and I think really the, the key, key to it all was the defense. And the offense, you know, put up a lot of points, um, which was obviously uh, key in making it a comfortable win. But the defense was just smothering Aaron Rodgers all day. Aaron Jones had nowhere to run. You know, Devontae Adams, um, you know, wasn't even that much of a factor. And overall, I was just really impressed with, I mean, all facets of the defense, the pass rush, the linebackers, obviously, as always, were fantastic. And then you know, the secondary continuing to, to look like a, one of the better secondaries that this team has ever had, even as young as they are. Um, and I think they're really taking that number 32 preseason ranking to heart because I know they've been tweeting it a couple of times and they're performing like they don't uh, they don't want people to be overlooking them anymore. 
So overall, a, a really impressive effort. And I, I was just, I'm, I'm taken aback by the way they, they kind of just threw, pushed around the Packers and feeling good about the, the next stretch ahead. Now, after this game, do you feel guilty about picking the Packers to win this game? Because I can't believe you would do such a thing. Um, no, I don't feel guilty. I, I, based, on, based on the information I had at the time, I don't feel guilty about it. Do you feel guilty about it, David? I don't know what you're talking about. I absolutely <laughs> if you listen, you need to check a sheet because according to the tally site <laughs> graphic that I tweeted out, uh, I definitely picked the Bucks. So mm, it's not what I heard. <laughs> oh wow. I, I enjoyed that that exchange very much. <laughs> Bailey, speaking of non factors, you and I had oh. a discussion on Twitter. I'd like to know why you defend someone as useless as Marquez Valdez-Scantling with such vigor. I didn't even defend him that much. I don't think it was really even a conversation. I just said, why do they act like Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't a solid receiver? And then you attacked me and attacked Marquez Valdez-Scantling with the force of a thousand suns. I don't know (laughs) what was going on in your brain. I don't know. I, I've always thought, you know, I, going back to his days at USF, I got to see his college career pretty closely considering, you know, USF and UCF arrivals. Um, and I mean, he was a good receiver at USF. And I thought, you know, in the, in the early days of his NFL career, he played pretty sparingly, but I thought he was somebody that offered more than, you know, the opportunities he was given. Um, and I don't watch enough Packers to really know what he's done on a consistent basis, but apparently he does nothing according to you. So I don't know. I I will say that I did not defend him as vigorously as you said I did. I do believe you you were were defending him broadly against the haters, and I simply pointed out that he's terrible. And (laughs) as a Marquez Valdez-Scantling fantasy manager last season and – two weeks ago or three weeks ago when there was no Devontae Adams or Alan Lazard and he was supposed to be the number one guy, I can promise you he gets that much heat because he is completely useless and does nothing. I can respect that he was great in college, but the op- he doesn't get opportunities now because the opportunities that he was given, he dropped more so often than not in the end zone. So that's where this is coming from. It's your fantasy. It's your fantasy grudges. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pretty okay. much. All when, right. I wondered, I wanted to have something when, to do with that. When you're the number one option on your team and you have more drops than you have receptions and you see three touchdowns go to a tight end that nobody had ever heard of ever until that game, yeah, you're you're pretty much useless. He's the um uh, how, how can I put it? He is the receiver Dexter Jackson of the green Bay Packers. Well, hmm. all right. <laughs> just, just to stick to my guns here and defend him a little bit more. I'm going to blame the Packers for all of what you just said, because until that game where he was thrust into the number one receiver role, he doesn't, he doesn't get enough targets. He doesn't get enough consistent play to really find any kind of groove. So I'm, I'm going to defend him just because you're making me out to be a huge fan of his. So, I'll keep defending him and then just make this into a real life thing. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's <laughs> the route that we're going to go. Um, fair warning. You're going to lose this battle, sir. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so moving on um, Bailey, <laughs> let's look ahead to this weekend. Uh, another chance for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in prime time. As we know, the Bucks have an amazing, amazing track record playing in prime time. So I'm sure <laughs> Bucks fans across the country are very excited 
to see this team travel to Las Vegas. The Raiders are coming off of a bye. So as much as the NFL did not screw over the Buccaneers as like they did last year with the schedule, this is two straight opponents uh, that the Buccaneers are facing who are coming off of their own bye weeks. So plenty of time to prepare. Uh, and then the Raiders, of course, before heading to the buys, shocked the entire nation uh, by beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, I'm sure Raiders Nation saw it coming, whatever. What is this Raiders team doing that you've seen so far that's leading to some of this early success uh, before they head into this matchup against the Buccaneers? Well, I will say that the extra prep time, I don't know if it'll be as much of a factor. It didn't seem like it was that much of a factor for the Packers. But right. um, I think what the what the Raiders are doing is they're just scoring points. I mean, they're and for the longest time, you know, Derek Carr has taken a lot of heat and perhaps rightfully so in some cases. But, you know, he's dealt with, you know, poor, poor offensive line play, poor receivers, just injuries. He hasn't had like a consistent um, cast around him. And I think right now he kind of does. And he's, you know, proving that with uh, his number so far this season, you know, they're scoring at a high rate. He's got, you know, 11 touchdowns to one pick, not turning the ball over. So I think really that's just the key has been scoring points because their defense is not doing such a great job of keeping them in games. They're doing just enough to, I don't guess, I guess, you know, keep them around near the end, but, you know, that game against the Chiefs, the, the Raiders just had to keep scoring, keep scoring for, you know, to pull off that upset. But, you know, they're averaging almost 400 yards a game. They're near the top of the NFL in points per game, um, you know, scoring 30 points per game. So really it's just the, the key to it is scoring. And, and I know it might not favor them so much coming into this week when they've got to face, you know, one of the better defenses in the NFL. You know, I think it's a it's an interesting matchup on both sides. Um, you know, one of the better defenses against – a very good offense, but I'm I'm leaning leaning towards the defense here, and I'm feeling good about what the Bucks can do against the Raiders' offense. Yeah, and I mean, I've we've talked about Derek Carr on this show, especially in into the offseason as we we're trying to figure out what the Buccaneers were going to do a quarterback. So everybody knows that I'm a fan of Derek Carr, generally speaking, as a quarterback in the National Football League. And something else, Bailey, that I'm a fan of, I don't know if you're aware, is Built Bars, and they're a sponsor of this here Lots on Bucks podcast. And ever since their relaunch in August, they've only gotten better and better, kind of like the, the Las Vegas Raiders. If you think about it, they've just been getting better and better since they, they got together in August to start kicking off their 2020 campaign. Hopefully the Buccaneers are going to put a stop to that, but what we're not going to put a stop to is all of these amazing flavors, especially the six new flavors that they launched with their relaunch. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Honestly, my favorite flavor is strawberry, which was out in October in support of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, Built Bars are healthy. They've always been healthy, and they're still healthy. One of the one of James's favorite bars is the cookies and cream bar, which comes packed with 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. And right now, our listeners can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Another friend of the show that we want to give a quick shout out to is our friends over at Roman. A healthy life includes a healthy sex life, but if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. If you want help with ED, Roman connects you with a real U.S. licensed healthcare professional who can prescribe the medicine you need. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, it, talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. 
Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Wrapping things up here on a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by the good sport after I gave him such grief in segment two, fellow BucksNation.com writer, co-host of the North and South podcast, Bailey Adams. And Bailey, Josh Jacobs has been a key part of the Raiders' success. And more than likely, the Bucks are going to eliminate him from the equation the way they do every other running back. So you take a look at Derek Carr. You take a look at the guys that he's able to throw the ball to. Henry Ruggs, the third, the you know the extremely talented rookie. They got Nelson Aguilar, who all of a sudden has remembered how to catch a football. They got Hunter Renfro, which was a big fan favorite coming out of college because he was so much like Adam Humphreys. And don't forget Darren, I am the walrus at tight end. So Bailey, how do you think Derek Carr and the Raiders are going to be able to match up against a Bucks defense that – is going to force Derek Carr to be the one to win this game. I don't think they match up all that well. I think, uh, like I referenced in the second segment, the the Raiders, you know, they're a good offense, and they've proved to be uh, really, really strong so far this season. But I don't like the way they match up against the Bucks in terms of, you know, their receivers are, you know, they're, they're good receivers, good solid receivers, but I don't think they present any um, – glaring problems for the secondary um you know with the speed that the secondary has i think they'll be able to keep up with a guy like henry ruggs the only you know potential concern i have and this seems to be a concern for myself every week and then they end up proving me wrong anyway but it's covering the tight end um i don't know if it's just ptsd from all the greg olson jimmy graham big games that happened you know in the past or what it is but i could see the raiders looking to you know employ darren waller and get him out there um in some space up the seam, whatever they can do to get him the ball, because he's, I think he's the most dangerous guy. And maybe if he's talking, take away uh, rugs, because the rugs has that home run ability, but Waller's the guy that kind of scares me the most just because of how strong he is and the Bucks track record against tight ends. Um, but like you said, you know, keeping, taking Jake, Josh Jacobs out of the, out of the game, out of the equation completely, I think would be um, go a long way in terms of how the Bucks can play this game. What the what the Buccaneers what we expect the Buccaneers to do anyway right? with with the absence of Vita Vea facing a running back like Josh Jacobs is do a little bit of what they did against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, honestly, if, if you're asking me, I'd take Josh Jacobs over Aaron Jones, uh, but that's just me. What did you see from Todd Bowles' defense this last week against Green Bay Packers? So kind of a, a, a of a question that bleeds from last week into this week that gives you confidence that they can continue this run defense. Because I mean, that's that's really what the question has been. And outside of the 25-yard chunk play and the 20-yard chunk play that the Packers did end up getting in that game, really, I mean, I think there was 19 more carries for about 40 to 45 yards, uh, which is not a good running day um, from anybody. So when you look at this, the, the box score, you see, you know, 94, I think it was total yards rushing by the Green Bay Packers on 21 carries. But in reality, it was a very rough day uh, for the Green Bay Packers running game. So coming into this one, you know, we have we have the trade of the veteran defense tackle from the New York Jets, all those things. What did you see from Todd Bowles in week six that you think is going to carry over well in week seven? And then even further into the season as we get uh, into the later parts and teams have more film to watch about this Buccaneers defense and how they plan their rushing attack. Honestly, I think a huge part of it was letting the linebackers do their thing. And that was, you know, the speed of Levante David and, and Devin White is enough to keep up with, with any rushing attack, uh, in my opinion. Losing Vita Vea up the middle, 
I think puts a lot more pressure in on the inside linebackers, but obviously I think they've done a great, they did a great job with it this past week. Also, it just seemed like the defense as a whole got better when they flipped Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul in terms of uh, off the edge when they made that change. And then they just kind of allowed the, the middle inside linebackers to do their thing. That seemed like, um, what you know, the key to, to stopping Aaron Jones. Also, I, I just think the play of Indomitian Sioux, um, you know, he may not have showed up on the stat sheet all that much, but his ability to, to get inside and, and also Will Golston. I mean, the, the defensive line as a whole has stepped up uh, massively this season. And without Vita Vea, Golston and, and Golston and Sue have been huge. And I thought Raheem Nunez Rocha stepped in quite nicely. So a lot of the same really was, was what, I, what I saw from this defense in terms of stopping the run. Um, with the biggest key being, you know, their two inside linebackers using their speed to just, you know, get get through the line and, and make those tackles run stuffs and, and, and tackles for loss for sure. Bailey, I just got one more for you before we get into the uh, the game predictions here. We've talked a lot about the Raiders offense going up against the Buccaneers defense, but we haven't talked at all about the Buccaneers offense going up against this Raiders defense. What do you think the Buccaneers are going to look to expose in a Raiders defense that is pretty suspect heading into this game? I mean, yeah, they have a big win against the Chiefs, but it took, you know, 108 points to get it done. So this Raiders defense is not great. They are, you know, very beatable. So how do you want to see the Bucs offense attack this defense on Sunday night? I, honestly, I think with the past, the, their past defense is really suspect. As you mentioned, the defense as a whole hasn't been playing that well, but their past uh, past defense is you know near the bottom of the league. I think they're around twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and you know the run defense maybe a little bit more middle of the pack. Um, but I think the, the balance balance has been great for this offense um, the last couple of weeks, especially with the emergence of Ronald Jones um, and what he's been able to do over the last three weeks. But I think for me, with the receivers getting more, getting healthier, and you know, getting back to where they should be, I think it's the, the passing game that the Bucks need to expose uh, this Raiders defense, especially if they can get Mike Evans a little bit more involved. I think um, that was one of the weirder things on Sunday is the Bucks did you know all that damage and and you know routed the Packers without Mike Evans even being a factor. So Mike Evans is a guy that I'm I'm thinking they can kind of get involved in this game. Um, you know, whether that's just in the red zone, like we saw earlier in the season or just more throughout the uh, the whole game, like we saw against Carolina, I think he's going to be a key in this game and in, in the passing attack as a whole. Well, Bailey, you should know the rule by now. If Chris Godwin is playing, Mike Evans is capped out at two receptions. It's just usually he has a touchdown. Hey, I mean, I have Chris Godwin in fantasy and I don't have Mike Evans partly for that reason. So, yeah, but who all those Mike Evans touchdowns. All right. Bailey, as we wrap things up here, uh, we're going to ask you what we always ask people on the Wednesday episode. Give us a bold prediction for the game, and what is your final score prediction? Man, I don't even know if it's a bold prediction anymore, um, so I'll go. I'll give you a two-parter. So bold prediction would be they do the same thing they've been doing in, in keeping the rushing attack of the opposition at bay. I'm saying under 100 yards once again. I think that will tie them with the Vikings from 2006. I want to say um, as a third, as a longest streak of extending it to 13. Um, and if that doesn't count as a bold prediction, I'll say my bold prediction is that this Raiders offense has its worst game of the season. They score less than 17 points. I'm taking the Bucks 31, Raiders 14. Love it. 
Love it. All right. Well, Bailey, appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can everyone find all the wonderful, wonderful things that you are doing and also to find your hot Marquez Valdez Scantling takes? None of those anymore. I think I'm being bullied into stopping talking about Marquez Valdez Scantling, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22. You can find all my work at bucksnation.com. And of course you can listen to me and Evan winter on the North and South podcast, um, wherever you get your podcast. So be sure to follow along on Twitter. Um, I'll definitely be tweeting about the world series and, you know, various other things that pop into my mind. I, I think I have a nickelback tweet somewhere in the draft. So I might drop that one one day soon. So nice. give me a follow. Yeah. Love, love nickelback tweets. And what's your, who's winning the world series? How many games? What are we, what are we going with Bailey? I got to be optimistic. I can't, I can't be negative on this one. Um, I'm going raise in six. Nice. Raise in six. If it I goes like seven, it. who's winning? Who, Unbiased. Who's the Rays. Unbiased. The Rays win game seven. I want to know who's on the mound in Game Seven. <laughs> and the, the Rays will put every pitcher. They'll they'll do uh, nine pitcher nine pitchers in nine innings. I swear they'll, they'll do but, whatever they can if it gets to a Game Seven like that. But are the Dodgers putting Kershaw out there? Because then it yeah it's, you have to. Okay, well then I am putting my life savings on the Rays. <laughs> so I mean, do you put Kershaw on the mound for Game Six if it's an elimination game? And then like because then if you get to Game Seven, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess in theory you could put him back out there, but I mean, I think Walker Bueller's the guy that I, I'd put out there, but I don't know. I don't trust Kershaw, but we'll see. I know, but by the time everyone's listening to this, Kershaw could have thrown seven shutout innings. So who knows? Whoa, That's that a fair point. Bailey's the one who made it happen. Bailey spoke <laughs> it into existence. Yikes! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Why do I come on this show? <laughs> Bailey, we only tease the ones we love, brother. <laughs> All right, Bailey, appreciate you uh, jumping on, and uh, yeah, we are we are pulling for your raise in this World Series, despite my never-ending love for Mookie Betts. Uh, my stupid baseball team traded him, and I just don't understand it. With yeah, that, until the Rockies decide to make a real push back into the postseason, I'll just become a Rays fan, I guess. There you go. There you go. Support support the city. It's the quest for title town in go. Tampa Bay. So with that, we are out of here. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you are checking out Crossover Thursdays with David and the host of Locked On Raiders, your boy Q, coming up tomorrow. Going to be a great episode. Lots of information will be coming your way. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other, raise up. And we thank you so much for joining us right here 